There's a word from the Lord in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 6 in your own private time with God. I'll read all of chapter 2 that make up the context of what I know the Lord would have for me to share with you on today. Judges chapter 2, verse 6, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land. Each to his own inheritance, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timoth Harris in the country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. I want to preach about generation next generation next God has led uh, with Joshua the children of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land they've defeated Jericho they are in the land of Canaan a land flowing with milk and honey that God had promised to their fathers mothers they're in now Joshua has divided the land up among the tribes of Israel and now even though that land has been predetermined pre-designed who would get it they still have to pursue it and go after it, and that's what they're doing. They're finding their place in the land. And now Joshua has died. Not only has Joshua died, but all the elders that served with Joshua, all those leaders that served with him, they died also. Matter of fact, that whole generation is now gone. And there arose another generation who did not know the Lord, nor what he did for Israel. There was another generation that grew up and what distinguished this, this Gen X generation, this, this next generation from the previous one is the fact that this generation didn't know the Lord, nor did they know what the Lord had done in the past for his people. Then it should come as no surprise to me when you keep reading in chapter 2, that they're experiencing one defeat after another. They are losing in the land that God promised them. One, one defeat after another. And I was trying to figure out how can they have more advantages than the previous generation and still can't win? I was trying to figure out how in the world can the previous generation have less advantages and more victories and and now you have a generation here who has more advantages but no victories I mean they live in houses this generation they live in houses that they didn't even build they're eating of crops that they didn't plant they're in a land flowing with milk and honey this is what God had predetermined they walked into that this is after Moses brought their grandparents through the, the wilderness and across the, 
the, the, the Red Sea. This is after Joshua brought their parents through the Jordan and, and into the land. Y'all, this is a whole nother generation with no victories. One defeat after another. And, and, and think about this, the generation before them, they didn't live in houses. They lived in tents in the wilderness. They, they, didn't, they didn't eat crops that other people had planted. They ate manna from on high. Matter of fact, the previous generation, they didn't even have a week's worth of groceries. Remember when God was sending the manna, he just would send enough just for that day so that the people have to trust him again tomorrow for another meal. They had fundamental basic blessings, but still they had one victory after another in the wilderness and they got victories when they first went to the promised land with Joshua and those elders leading the way. And they didn't have a whole lot of stuff. Even the clothes they wore. They didn't buy those clothes in the wilderness. Ain't, ain't no shopping malls in the desert. Those were the same clothes they left Egypt with. They just didn't wear out. God preserved them. And now here's the generation after them. And it seemed like they got everything except victories. How come they can't win? With all the advancements, all the advantages. I mean, they, they got iPods and iPads. They got Kindles and electronic books. I mean, you would think with all these advantages, laptops, computers, the internet, mass communication, with a, a technology that advances every two days, there's something else coming out. You would think that they would at least graduate from high school. You would think. I mean, with, with computers and laptops and internet and all that kind of stuff, you, you, would, you would at least think they can go to college. I mean, because when I was coming along, man, we didn't have all that stuff, man. When I went to college, we, would go, we, we had to go to the library to study. And I know some of y'all too young to remember libraries, but they, they used to have libraries in America. And we would have to literally walk to the library and wasn't no getting online, wasn't no computers in there. And but we would we would go to that index box and pull that catalog thing out. And then we have to go find the book in the library. We got a table full of books to do our report. Then five by seven index cards where we writing down quotations so we can give people their proper credit. We don't want to plagiarize. And then we would hand longhand write out an entire paper. Then I would have to pay somebody $2.50 a page to type it out. Because when I typed, I had too many mistakes. I had to use too much whiteout. Y'all remember whiteout? So I had to do all of that longhand. And when I went to school, you had to spell. You had to be able to spell. Y'all ain't even got to spell. And still can't pass English. And I'm just, I mean, you would think with all the advances, you would have more victories. I mean, we, we set you up. We, we made sure you had more than what we had. Matter of fact, you made, your, your grandparents made a fraction of what you make. A fraction of what you make. But, but, but Big Mom and Big Daddy and them still had a house, still had transportation. Still provided clothes for 12 children, still put food on the table, still made sure their kids graduated from high school, went to college, 
and they did all that on a fraction of what you make. You make 10 times what they make, and you want to ask them, can you move in with them? Y'all ain't helping me preach this. I'm, I'm trying to show you something. Your grandmother had 12 children. Raised all of them. You got one talking about, Mama, I, I don't know what to do with this kid. Raise him. That's what to do with him. All these advantages. Not win. And, I, you know, I asked the question just to get you to think. I know why they weren't winning. Because there was another generation that grew up who didn't know the Lord. They grew up and had everything, but didn't, they didn't know the Lord. And, and you know what big auntie and them had that, that we don't have? A relationship with Jesus. And when you got the Lord on your side, see, I mean, we, I know we got television, we got all, all these computers and the internet and all that kind of stuff. When I was coming up, all we had was one little TV and it only had three stations. And I know y'all going to say, no, Pastor, it was four because it was Channel 6, Channel 8, Channel 13, and Channel 4. We couldn't get Channel 4. Even with the aluminum foil on the antenna, we couldn't get Channel 4. We only had three stations. They all went off by midnight. TV used to go off. Y'all got television 24 hours a day. 24 hours of information and still don't know nothing. You know what the difference is? Big Mom and them knew Jesus. They had a relationship with the Lord. And even though they made a fraction of what we make, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. My God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. Look at somebody and tell them everybody ought to know who Jesus is. But there arose a generation. That didn't know the Lord. And, and y'all, this, this is not saying they were atheists. In a minute, you're going to see they, they worship these small G gods. They were not atheists. They believed that there was a God. They, 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 they believed in the existence of God. They just didn't believe in God. They didn't have confidence, trust, faith in him. Like some of us, we, we believe there's a God. That's why you're at church. We, we believe in Jesus. That's... You know, we believe that there's a Jesus, son of God. That's why we're here. But do you really have confidence in him? Have you put your faith in him? See, it's one thing to have an intellectual understanding. It's another thing to have an intimate relationship with him. See, just because you intellectually know he exists doesn't mean that you have an intimate, close affinity with him. You got to believe Jesus died on the cross. You got to believe God raised him from the dead. You got to receive him based on faith. Then you have that intimacy you're supposed to have with him. It's not just believing in his existence, but it's believing in him. There arose a generation that didn't know the Lord. And whose fault is that? I mean, who's, who's responsible when a whole generation don't know him? I mean, who do we hold accountable when there's a generation who don't know the Lord? I mean, how can, how can a generation follow Joshua and the elders and not know him? You know, I'm, I'm going to have to blame this on the parents. I, I think when there is a generation that doesn't know the Lord, then the previous generation has to be held accountable. 
I, I believe the parents and that previous generation have to take a responsibility to make sure that our children know who Jesus is. Because if parents, if you don't tell your children about Jesus, how do you expect for them to know about Jesus? Just about everybody I met, just about everybody I know, most of the folk I know, somebody introduced me to them. So parents, if you want your children to know who Jesus is, you're going to have to introduce them to Jesus. You, you, you got to tell them who they are, who he is. I mean, what, whatever happened, whatever happened to, to home Bible studies? Whatever happened to family devotion? Whatever happened to a family that prays together, stays together? Whatever happened to, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. What happened to, Father, I thank you for what I'm about to receive for the nourishment of my body in Christ's name. Amen. My mama taught me that when I was a toddler. Here it is 40 years later. I still remember it. Why? Because my mama introduced me to Jesus, gave me a, a God conscience, and I never forgot about it. But no, we try to make our children think we made it on our own. I don't know where we get that mentality from. We are always so busy trying to prove to other folk I did it by myself. Till we don't tell them about Jesus. Trying to convince our kids it was me that did it. And we run around talking about I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. No, you're not. It is he that have made us and not we ourselves. It is God that made us. Talking about I picked myself up by my own bootstraps. No, you didn't because Negroes didn't have boots nor straps. It was God that brought us safe thus far. And we need to tell our children if it had not been for the Lord that was on our side, we wouldn't have made it. You got to tell them about Jesus. Got to pass that on to the kids. What happened to bringing the children to Sunday school? What, what, what happened to making children go to children's ministries and youth ministries? What happened with making children sing in the choir? I mean, what happened to those days where we could have them sing about Jesus and teach them in Sunday school about Jesus and we can keep on talking about Jesus, but when you don't bring them, I, I put it on the past, the parents' fault. And you know, we, we try to use mass communication and all this advanced technology. So we tweeting the information and emailing the information and Facebooking all the stuff we do for chi children and teens and all of that. We got it on the website, easternstartchurch.org. You click on children's ministries and youth ministries and all that kind of stuff. And we got a newsletter, and our newsletter, the Chronicles, looks like a major magazine. And in it, the information about what we do for children and, and youth and all that kind of stuff. And pulpit announcements and all of that. Email and all that. And a, and a handful of children show up. Then, when we get ready to do the children's youth basketball league, we don't put it on the website, we don't tweet it, we don't email it, we don't put it in the chronicles, we don't announce it from the pulpit, we put one little line in the bulletin. Children's youth basketball league starts such and such a date and a phone number. 1,000 children and teens show up. Because parents think 
playing basketball is more important than their child knowing about Jesus. And I already know why some of y'all can't say amen because even though you in the house of God, the generation behind you, you got a 10-year-old at home right now that you didn't bring to church. Why? Well, they said they didn't feel like coming today so I didn't want to deal with it. I just left them there. How you gonna let a 10-year-old tell you how they feel? You tell them what they feel. You feel like getting up, getting dressed. We getting ready to go to church because everybody in this house goes to church. Jesus been too good for us for us not to go and give him praise. I blame it on the parents. But wait a minute. I think the individual person has to take some responsibility for not knowing the Lord. I think the individual, this is a personal relationship we have with God through his son. I can't blame my mother and father because I don't know Jesus. Because Christianity is a choice. I ain't eight, I'm 48. I mean, when you get to a certain age, you can't keep expecting your mama and daddy to tell you what to think and what to believe and who to trust. Romans chapter 1 says, in the book of Romans chapter 1, it says that, that nature itself witnesses to the fact that there is a God with power and wisdom. So even if nobody tells you about God, you just look at the sun, the moon, and the star. Look at the grass growing, the trees. Look at the bodies of water, the rivers, the oceans, the lakes, the beaches. There must be a God somewhere. Nature itself says that there is a God. You got to take responsibility for yourself. And I know why some of y'all didn't say, man, because y'all believe in evolution. People, people trip because I believe in creation. I believe that all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. I believe God created everything. And I know some people, they're evolutionists and they believe in evolution and they want to say, well, the reason why I don't believe in the creation theory ain't no creation theory. We here. It ain't no theory. We are here. And now, if, okay, let me do this. If you're walking down a beach, a, a deserted beach, and you see a, a stopwatch or a, a wristwatch in the sand, you, are not, you don't see nobody, nowhere. Beach. It's deserted, and you see a watch. You pick the watch up. Do you say, man, this must have evolved from something to be like this? No, you believe that somebody created this even if I cannot see them. Okay, enough of y'all didn't say, man. I, even when I was a youngster in, in the public school system, I didn't believe in, evolu in evolution when they were teaching it. It just didn't make no sense to me that we evolved from a monkey. So my great, 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 great granddaddy was a monkey? That didn't make sense to me when I was eight years old. I mean, okay, if we evolve from a monkey to this, then what are we gonna be next week? It makes no sense to me. And those of you who believe that, then answer this. If we evolve from a monkey, why is your cousin still swinging in the zoo? I mean, why is your nephew on the bars at the zoo still swinging as a monkey? How come he didn't evolve? Look at somebody tell them, there must be a God somewhere. 
It's personal. I make a choice. I ch Christianity, y'all, Christianity can't be forced upon you. Christianity is a choice. Christianity has nothing to do with jumping over pews, running around the building, and swinging from chandeliers. Christianity ain't about some emotional experience I have. It's, it's the fact I choose Christ. I choose Christ as my Savior. I choose to receive him into my life by faith. I choose to be a part of the church. It is a choice. You cannot blame your mama and daddy if you're not right. Because if you're thirsty, can't nobody else drink for you. Some stuff you got to do for yourself. If you're tired, daddy can't go to sleep for you. If you want, if you hungry, mama can't eat for you. And if you gonna know Jesus, you got to know Jesus for yourself. Do I have a witness in this place? This is a generation that grew up with everything but didn't know the Lord. And I know they didn't know the Lord because of the choices that they were making. In verse 10, they didn't know the Lord. How do you know that? Verse 11, verse 11. Judges chapter 2, verse 11. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's how I know they don't know him. Look at their choices. Look at their decisions. It's evident. They don't have a relationship with God. Why? Look at how they act. They did evil in the sight of God. You know what evil is? E-V-I-L. You know what evil is? It's live spelled back. And that's what some of us are doing. When you don't know the Lord, you start living life backwards. So we want to accumulate a lot of things and a lot of stuff and not work. That's backwards. So we want to move in together and then talk about getting married. That's backwards. So we want to have children and then get married. That's backwards. So you got a big grown man get in the bed with a, another man and you got a woman get in the bed with a woman. Y'all do know that's backwards. And I already know why some of y'all not saying amen. It's because in your eyes, in your understanding, in your perception, in your opinion, ain't nothing wrong with it. But we're not talking about from your perspective. Because you don't have a heaven or hell to address people's destiny with. We're talking about the eyes of the Lord. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. What does God say about it? Because some things can be lawful and still be immoral. Some things can be cultural and still be immoral. Some things can be acceptable but still be wrong. So we live in a culture that is, that is very tolerant of sin and wrong. It don't make it right because it's acceptable. It's still immoral. What does God have to say about it? what? Is it from the eyes of God? I was, I was with my, my brother-in-law the other day, and I said, I said, Stan, man, you need to go to the eye doctor. He was squinching what he was reading. He was looking, couldn't see across the room. I said, man, can you see? He said, yeah, I see fine. I, I can see perfect. I said, no, you can, man, you can't see. Something is wrong with your eyes, man. You need to go to the eye doctor. He said, no, I don't need no eye doctor. I did go to the store, and I bought some glasses. I said, oh, so you just walk in the store. There's a rack of eyeglasses. You just go through all of them to one look halfway. I said, man, that's cool. You could save money like that. You could see a little bit like that. But, man, you, you need to go to the eye doctor so that he can see exactly what's up and prescribe some glasses for you. He kept saying, no, I see just fine. I said, no, you can't see just fine. And the reason I kept pressing him and pressing him is because I remember right before I got my glasses, I use contacts now, but right before I got my glasses, 
I thought I could see. But I couldn't see. But I thought I could. I would drive at night and couldn't see the street signs. But I thought I could see because I thought y'all couldn't see them either. I thought everybody saw life the way I saw it. So I would be up here preaching and our church is 20 rows back. I couldn't see past the sixth row. So all of y'all in the back that thought I was making eye contact with you, I wasn't, I couldn't see you. But I thought nobody could see past the sixth row. I didn't know you could see out into the hallway. But once I got my glasses, it gave me a new perspective. It gave me vision I didn't have. Now I could see what other folk were telling me about, but I couldn't see it because I couldn't see. But now I got some glasses. Y'all, when you don't know the Lord, you think everybody sees the world distorted like you. But when you get the power of God's Holy Spirit in your life, anybody know he gives you vision and you see things differently? Choices, choices, choices. They, they, they did evil in the sight of the Lord and they forsook the Lord. You mean they forsook him? They walked away from him. They distanced themselves from the Lord. And they started serving small G gods, Baal and Ashtoreth in the land. They started serving the gods of the Canaanites in the land and forsook the Lord. They started, matter of fact, it says they started serving various small G gods in the land. They started serving what everybody else, they started worshiping what everybody else was worshiping. Because they forsook the Lord. And I know what you're saying. Well, preacher, we don't have to worry about that in the 21st century. We're living in America. We're in Indiana. We don't believe in, you know, no polytheistic society. We don't believe in no whole lot of gods and all that. We ain't got no graven images and that kind of thing. So you ain't got to worry about that. No, 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 no. Let me help you understand something. Whatever is more important to you than God, Jehovah, is your God. Whatever you make, number one, whatever is primary in your life, that is your God. So even though we may not serve Baal and Ashtoreth, we have other things that are more important to us than Yahweh, than Jehovah, than the one and only God. So, so we don't have Baal, but we got, we got car gods and house gods, clothing gods and jewelry gods, money gods and job gods. We got SUV gods and gold gods, silver gods and platinum gods. We got alcohol gods and dope gods and drug gods. And we, we, we got all kind of gods, small g. But here's what I'm trying to get across to you. When you trust in Jesus... When you seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, everything you need will be added unto you. They forsook the Lord. Watch this. And when you forsake God and all hell breaks loose and you start experiencing defeats, you start wondering, where is God? God didn't leave us. We left him. Where's the God that Moses told us about that opens Red Seas and feeds us in a starving land? Where, where's the God Joshua told us about that can fight our battles for us? Where, where is God? No, God didn't forsake us. We forsook him. He didn't walk out on us. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But the very fact when we look at the choices that we've been making is an indication that we have distanced ourselves from God. Where's the God grandma told me about that will feed you when you're hungry? 
Where's the God granddaddy told me about that he'll be a lawyer that's never lost the case. He'll be a doctor that's never lost the pain. Where is this God? He didn't leave us. We forsook him. The old couple was driving down the street. The old man was doing the driving. His wife was sitting in the passenger seat over by the door. And as they were driving, there was another car in front of them. And it had a young couple. And here's the old couple. Old man is driving. His wife is by the door. And, and, and they're going down the street. She's in the passenger seat. And there's a young couple in a car in front of them. But they ain't like that. They close together. Uh, the young girl is all up under the dude driving. He's got his arm around her. She, she's got his, her head on his shoulder. And then the old lady is talking in the car behind them saying, you see that car up there? Look at how close they are. We used to be like that. They all snuggled together in lubby-dubby. They all close to each other. And then, then look at us. We ain't never like that. And, and I can't believe, why ain't we like that anymore? And the old dude couldn't take it no more. He said, I'm still in the same place. He was trying to let her know. That while I was trying to drive us to our destination, you the one that kept getting further and further away from me. That's what God is saying to us. You want to know where is God? God says, I ain't never left you. I'm still in the same place. I'm the same today as I was yesterday and will be forevermore. But while I was trying to get you to your destination, you didn't trust me enough to do it. And you distanced your... Is there anybody in here that know God will never leave you nor for forsake you and y'all with choices come consequences whatever choices you and I make consequences come with it so when they made those choices to do those things then, then what were the consequences well they had a spiritual consequence they angered the Lord so spiritually they got messed emotionally there was a consequence they cried literally even if somebody right now has an emotional disorder, you can't even stop crying. And for somebody, it's because of some choices that you never should have made. Then there was a physical consequence. It says they were in great distress. The distress, that's physical for them. Distress to them means to be in a tight, to be in a jam, to be between a rock and a hard place. Distress to them is to hit rock by it's physical pain that they were going through because of the choices that there are always consequences to choice and then there was a social consequence well what was the social consequence god told them when you go into the land when you get ready to go into your place you make sure you put all those people out of there you get rid of them tear down their altars and burn those off and don't have anything to do with them but when they went into the place you know what they did this generation that didn't know the Lord, they didn't put anybody out. The inhabitants stayed there. The Canaanites stayed in there. And watch what they did. They started dating them. Then they started marrying them. And they started having children with them. And God told them, don't have anything to do with them. But since they didn't know the Lord, they ignored the Lord. And they started dating them, marrying them, and having children with them. And so God said, this is all in chapter 2. God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn you over to the inhabitants of that land. And I'm going to let them plunder your stuff. I'm going to let them get your stuff. And then God says, and I'm not going to drive them out of that land. Here's what God is saying. I'm going to let you have who you think you want. He says, I already told you. 
you need to you need to connect with people who believe in the same God you believe in, same Jesus you believe in, same Holy Spirit, with a relationship that they know the Lord. That's who you need to be with. But when we ignore the Lord, the Lord says, "Okay, all right, you going you want that's the one you want. I'm gonna turn him over to you. I'm gonna turn her. I'm gonna let you have the one you think you want." And even right now, somebody has been praying for God to drive somebody out of your life. And I know you can't say amen, just look at amen for him because he's in here, she's here. And you want the Lord to drive, and God says, I ain't going to, social effect. And you would think socially we would have it together with all the social networking y'all got. Somebody asked me last week, Pastor, do you, do you text? Nope. You tweet? Nope. Blog? Nope. You on Facebook? Mm -mm, I'm not on Facebook. I don't do none of that because that's not my social network. I'm old school. I don't. Have, I mean, if that's how you do it, that's how you, I'm old. I don't do it like that. I don't have a problem with you doing it like that. But here's my question. If all I use is a phone and I've been married 24 years, you text, tweet, email, blog, Facebook, and can't keep nobody two weeks. Y'all ain't understand. Y'all call it social networking. But there are holes in your net. You can't. I'm just. So it's got to be more than a computer. If you go make it, you got to have more than a picture on Facebook. You need a relationship with God so that you can relate to somebody with a relationship with God. Now, if both of y'all got computers, go on and have a computer love. Do your computer dating. But what they need is not a computer. They need a Christ. Not do you have a blog. Do you believe in Jesus? Do I have a witness in this place? Ain't nobody saying don't do that, but you got to have some Jesus. And, and God says, when you don't do it, I'm going to let you have who you think you want. And what's so bad about it? Some of us now trying to get out of something. And, and wait, wait, here it is. I already know what you think. Preacher, I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've done wrong. i made bad choices. Is it too late for me? I didn't do right in raising my children. I didn't make the proper choices with God. I forsook the Lord. Is, is it too late? Is there anything that can, that can help somebody who's messed up, made mistakes, done wrong? I'm so glad y'all asked that question because that's what Christianity is all about. Christianity is about another chance. It's about the mercy and the grace of God that God will give you a second chance. Uh, okay, let me close it. Like, here's, here's the last thing I want y'all to get. And y'all got it. I love this. You got to get it. All the hell they've been through. They didn't know the Lord. I just went through all that stuff. Then verse 16, Judges chapter 2, verse 16. Watch what it says. King James verse. However, the Lord raised up judges and saved them. Ooh, I love that. They messed up, jacked up, bad decisions, didn't know God. What did God do? However, the Lord raised up judges and delivered them. Okay, all right, here it is. You want to know if there's another chance for you? However, you did wrong, you messed up. Is, is, is it over? It ain't over. However, 
I know why y'all ain't saying however, because you don't know what however means. You don't, you don't know in English how they use however. However is a linguistic term that indicates you just missed something. Nobody ever starts off talking to you saying however. Because however is a connecting word. It is a word of transition. It connects what precedes it with what succeeds it. And when however is used properly, what succeeds it is better than what preceded. I'm jacked up, messed up, did wrong. However, the Lord, y'all ain't getting this. It's better with what comes after however than what was before however. So even though I made major mistakes, I'm going to be all right. Why? However, won't God transition your life? Won't God? Okay, let me do it like this. Some of us in here are on the other side of however. See, when you see us with a relationship with God and we got our stuff together and we moving in the right direction, it don't mean we ain't never messed up. It just means we on the other side of however. Am I preaching to anybody on the other side of however? I shouldn't have made it, but however. I should be strung out, but however. I ought to be in jail, but however. I ought to have AIDS, but however. I should be a drug addict, but however. I, I, I should be an alcoholic. Somebody shout, however. Wait, 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 wait. It ain't just however. It's however the Lord. Cause I, I love this, because watch this. He didn't stop being the Lord because you didn't know him. They didn't know him in verse 10. He's still the Lord in verse 16. Because just because you don't believe in God don't mean God will cease being God. Atheists are so arrogant till they have convinced themselves there is no God. And because atheists don't believe there's a God, they think ain't no God. God didn't stop being God because you don't believe in him. He was God before you got here. He'll be God when you go. He's alive forevermore. And I know he's alive. Why? Because God woke me up this morning. God started me on my way. The Lord. That's Jehovah. That's the one we enter into relationship with. The Lord, Jehovah, the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. The Lord, Jehovah, the God that makes promises and keeps promises. I didn't do right by him. However, the Lord showed up for me and allowed me to get in a relationship with him. Wait, 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 wait. However, the Lord raised up judges. Judges. They're called. They're chosen, they're commissioned, they're charged. Spiritual leaders of Israel, where'd they come from? The Lord raised up judges, chosen, called, commissioned. Spiritual leaders, where did they come from? He didn't send them down from heaven. He raised them up. Where did God raise up these chosen people? He raised them up from the same ones that didn't know the Lord. He raised them up 
from the same ones that did evil. He raised them up from the same ones with a jacked up social network. But when God needed somebody, he had enough mercy and grace to raise. Is there anybody in here that God helped you to rise above the jacked up situation you were in? Why? Because he raises up judges. He raises them up. From, see, that's how I know you can make it. Because when you look at the rest of us who God has blessed and touched and done something with, y'all, we didn't show up from heaven. He raised us up. And if I could get about seven or eight of y'all to tell the truth, the only reason you made it thus far is not because you did everything right. It's because the Lord raised you up. He raised up judges. He raised up judges right from the... Uh, uh, y'all know, know who Greg Mathis is? Greg Mathis. Oh, no, let me give him his honor. Judge Mathis. The television show? Motivational speaker? Arthur? Uh, Judge Mathis. He's been on everybody's program, radio and television across the Judge Mathis. The youngest person to have ever become a judge in Detroit. Judge Mathis, law degree, a doctorate of jurisprudence. But he didn't start like that. He testifies himself that when he was young, he was in a gang, he sold drugs, made bad choices, ran with the wrong crowd, got locked up, went to jail. And I know you wonder, wait a minute, how could he be in a gang, deal drugs, bad choices, wrong crew, go to prison? and then be the youngest one to ever become a judge. That's because the Lord raises up judges from among the same folk that we come into. And, and I, was on, I was on program, Judge Mathis and I were on program together in New York. God opened that door, I was on program with them, and, and, and Judge Mathis, when he began to speak, first time I ever heard him talk when he wasn't, when he wasn't doing his thing at the bench. He started talking about Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, what the Lord did for him, how he repented, recommitted his life to Christ. God did some things, raised him up to be a judge, and then watch what he called himself. He said, I am an inner city miracle. And when I got the mic, I had to let Judge Mathis know, you ain't the only inner city miracle in here today. I'm an inner city miracle. And I'm preaching to somebody right now who was in the streets, you were jacked up and messed up, came out of the projects, deep in poverty. But look at you now. Any inner city miracles in here? Somebody shout yes. And I already know, I already know why some of y'all ain't going to trust the Lord to raise you up. Because you still think that person, that social network, you think that's what's, what's doing it for you. Matter of fact, somebody already told you, you ain't nothing, you ain't going to never be nothing. You better just be glad I like you because I'm the only one that's going to take care of you. I made you. Y'all better be careful talking about making people. Because God made all of us. And he's a jealous God. I wouldn't run around taking credit that belonged to God. He's a jealous God. And y'all, ain't nobody made you. God made you. Stop thinking you can't make it without somebody. You can make it without anybody but Jesus. 
And if he tells you to put somebody out of your land, then baby, trust God is going to take care of you. And I know you're thinking, how am I going to make it? How am I going to eat? How are my kids going to get along? A lot of times, y'all, you putting too much confidence in another person. I took my, well, my whole family, uh, my whole family. Mama, remember we went to Virginia Beach. And when we went to Virginia Beach, my mother, grandmother, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, cousins, we rented two or three houses at Virginia right on the beach. It was really nice. It was awesome. And I was playing with my little nieces and nephews. And while I was playing with them, they, they think Uncle Jeffrey is all that. They think I'm really something. And so I was with my little nieces and nephews, and, and I, was, I was trying to prove to them how great I was. And so we were flying a kite. We only had one kite. I was flying it. And I bought all that extra string, that big ball of string. And it was a windy day, too. So this is perfect for flight for flying kites. And my nieces and nephews saw me with that kite. And they was like, ooh, Uncle Jeff, look at how high he's holding that kite up. They, they thought I was the one holding the kite up. And I didn't tell them any different either. Yeah, Uncle Jeffrey, he's the man. Look at this. Look at all of it. Then I dropped the string. It was such a windy day when I dropped the string. The kite just took off. It kept going higher and higher and further and further. My nieces and nephews finally understood. I wasn't holding it up. I was holding it back. Because once I let it go, it went higher and higher and further and is there anybody here that knows everybody holding on to you ain't holding you up some of these folk holding you back and once you get away from them won't god take you higher and higher and further and further let me close it like this let me close it like this however the lord Raises up judges and saved them. He delivered them. When you know Jesus, he can save you. He can, I know you think you messed up too much and he can save you. But preacher, I came to church before and I joined church, but I fell right back in the same stuff I was doing. I'm in bondage to this stuff. That don't mean you can't be set free. It is the Lord that's able to deliver you and set you. Stop trying to save yourself. Well, preach is just difficult. I don't know how I can do it. Let me close it like this. There was a woman in an Indiana prison. Indiana prison. She escaped from jail. And you know in Indiana, when you escape, they'll catch you in 24 hours. I don't know how they do it. And at the longest you're going to be out is a week, you're going to be back in the same bondage, in the same locker. But this woman escaped from an Indiana prison they didn't find her for 36 years. And the authorities were trying to, and you know, because they take pride in that in Indiana. They were trying to let us know how she didn't go back. We couldn't bring her back into bondage, back into lockup. And they said she did three things that kept her free. One, she changed her identity. Two, she cut all ties to her previous life. And three, she entered into new relationships. She had a new community, a new husband, new children, new church. Preacher, why are you telling us this? Because God can and will set you free. And the way to stay out of the bondage that you used to be in, change your identity. If anyone be in Christ, 
they become a new creation. You become a whole new person. Cut all ties to your previous life. Those people are not holding you up. They holding you back. Then you need a new community. You need Christ. You need the church. You need a new family. You need people that hope the best for you and work with you and love you and care for you. You need brothers and sisters in the faith who are trying to help you to go to another level. And that can happen for you right now. This whole message was an invitation to Christian discipleship. The whole message was to, I want to, I want to be the one to introduce you to the Lord. 